future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. Yes, it is another Monday evening, and that means it is both Raging Chickens Out the Coop Live and the Penridge School Board meeting all at the same time. I can you feel the energy out there? Yes, indeed. Well, it is Monday, February 28th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out the Coop Live. This is, of course, Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards from across the country. And on Fridays, we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you got to check out that Wednesday show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril, of course, is a progressive columnist at the Bucks County Courier-Times, the Intelligencer, and usually joins me, I don't know, a couple times a month to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and even international politics, which is becoming increasingly important. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Just head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress today and choose your membership level. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you'll know every time we go live. You can also join our Discord. Information on that is in the show notes. Um, check it out. We'll continue the discussion all week long. And for more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel. Look, just wherever you get your streams, head on over to Rick Smith Show is there. Um, definitely check out the ricksmithshow.com and check out the links to all his shows. Like, he's going gangbusters on there. i got to check his live call-in show at WBAI on New York now. Um, it's fantastic. It's on the weekends. All that information is over at the ricksmithshow.com. And you got to absolutely, positively check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. They're in Season 2. And the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Yes, make sure to follow them at, at The Night Caucus. That's at The Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast at Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you gamers out there. The Game In is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from retro N64s, latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops. You got it. And look, and kids get discounts with, when they get all A's in the report card. I mean, how can you beat that? Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at the Game In. That's at the Game In with two N's. If you've got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get, shoot them a message, drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout out, as always, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Dayman. Again, with two N's, that's at Song of Dayman on Twitter. And a quick show note before we jump into it. Next week, I welcome Alyssa Bowen to the show. Alyssa just dropped a great article over at Truthout called Dark Money is Behind Women's Groups Attacking Biden's Supreme Court Pick. She's been following the dark money driving the concerned moms groups such as Moms for Liberty and No Left Term in Education. Alyssa's a researcher at the progressive watchdog group True North Research. And that will be next Monday, March 7th at 7 p.m. Make sure you tune in for that one. It's going to be a good one. 
Now on this week's show, this week's Out to Coop Live right here, um, I welcome Connor O'Hanlon to the show. Now you've made, we've referred, we've talked about Connor on the show before. We talked about like our work that he's done, great work that's happening over there in Doylestown, rebuilding kind of Democratic Party from the ground up and things like this. So it's about time that we had him on the show and just in time because he is a progressive Democrat is running for state representative in the PA's 29th legislative district in Bucks County. That's going to be a big one, folks. You know it is. Connor currently works as an auditor, a CPA, and specializes in audits of SEC companies in the online gaming and casino industry. Additionally, Connor has worked as a licensed realtor and conveyancer in and around Bucks County, which has furthered his familiarity and relationship building with local officials and professionals serving in the community. Connor has been a resident of Doylestown Township since 2007. He went through the Central Bucks Public School District from Groveland Elementary to Central Bucks West High School. And Connor is a licensed certified public accountant, as I mentioned before, has earned his bachelor's degree in accounting and a certificate of real estate from Penn State University. You know, we got to give the CV up front, folks. This is why we do it. All right, now assuming all the legislative districts remain relatively the same after the potential court challenges coming up, Connor will be running an contested primary in a district where the incumbent Republican representative just quit, <laughs> says I'm out of here. Now that makes the 29th and up for grabs and ripe for a Democratic pickup. The question is what kind of Democrat? Connor is banking on his plan for a PA New Deal, for creating a strong, a strong Pennsylvania economy, strengthening our infrastructure, and protecting the rights of Pennsylvanians. You can follow Connor on Twitter at, at Con O'Hanlon. That's O-H-A-N-L-O-N. Did I get that right, Connor? Yes, you did. <laughs> you got it, indeed. Um, you got to check out his website, too, at www.connorohanlin.com. Connor, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you so much. That was a great in, uh, introduction, and I really appreciate it. It's been long overdue. Yeah, well, hey, I do what I, I do what I can. You know what I'm saying? I've been wanting to have you on this show for such a long time, given the awesome work that you've been doing just on the ground as an activist and Democratic Party activist and so on. Um, and I got to say, you know, I should have mentioned this right at the top of the thing. I saw that you were actually out there last night um, kind of in solidarity uh, with the folks of Ukraine, which is why I've got the Ukrainian flag behind me tonight, um, in support of what's happening over there. Um, before we jump into it, what was that event like? I mean, it's looked like it was an amazing kind of just show of solidarity, people coming out and saying, we're with you. Yeah, first, I should say, uh, for the organizers of that event, I mean, the Rainbow Room was, of course, big in organizing that, and Marlene Prey, who runs the Rainbow Room, um, my friend Larissa Hopwood, or Lolly, as some others know her, and I'm sure I'm, there's plenty of others. Um, there's a bunch of youth groups and all that stuff that were in, in coordination in, in creating that event, uh, standing up for uh, solidarity with the people in Ukraine, with um, LGBTQ plus people across uh, the world, uh, and it did it, uh, something that really is overlooked a lot of times is indigenous people. Um, the first speaker was actually somebody that was speaking up for indigenous rights and speaking and making the connection between the American, um, frankly, genocide of the native uh, population here and comparing that to what's happening in Ukraine and how the people that are being displaced. Um, so for someone like me, being it was just about being there and it's such yeah. uh, in a supportive role that was very important and seeing and seeing everybody uh, unite and, um, you know, even though it was freezing. 
Yeah, it was freezing. Well, you know, originally, I, I'll tell you that originally I wanted to head out there, um, but I was just telling you before the show, um, my, my daughter just tested for a positive for COVID yesterday um, um, because I live in the insane school district that is Penridge, where masks are something that are, is for fantasy lands. But we'll get into that in a little bit longer, a little bit later. So let's let's jump into just a little bit of the background now. Now, like I said, I first kind of uh, learned about some of your work um, for what you're doing in, say, Democratic Party activism um, in kind of the Doylestown area and beyond. Um, but why don't I step back a little bit and give you a little kind of space here, just to kind of just talk a little bit about kind of what got you to this point, like right? what got you involved and decide that you wanted to kind of, you know, help kind of energize what's happening in the Democratic Party politics as a Democratic Party activist, and then to like, you know, here you go, uh, run for this, you know, really Really important primary in the Pennsylvania 29th district. So I'll I'll try to keep everything as brief as possible because there's a lot there's a lot to <laughs> unpack in that question. Yes. Um, so I'd say uh, while I was at Penn State, I got engaged during the 2015 2016. Uh, election. So it's really the 2016 election, but it was really during 2015 when the Democratic primary was happening and the Republican primary was happening. You couldn't catch me on a night that I wasn't glued watching or listening to something about that election. Um, and then obviously the outcome uh, of that election with Donald Trump getting elected was um, illuminating in the most awful way possible. Uh, it, it was shining a light on some of the things that we don't necessarily like to address or necessarily you know bring to light in our country so for me it was like okay well look i was a bernie sanders guy um bernie's campaign um inspired me to do more to say you know what you might at the time like you might be 19 years old but you can go out and make the make the change that you want to see um, so it took me a little bit longer than, than when I was in college, but the second I graduated, I went to go vote in the primary in 2018. And when I did that, I, f I found uh, and met somebody from Fair Districts uh, PA. Yeah. And from there, I was like, hey, what can I do? I I'm just looking for something to do. Like I, I graduated and I want to get involved. And through that, I found the Doylestown Democrats. Uh, so, you know, we a week later or so, I showed up, I go to the Doylestown Democrats, I say, hey, my name is Conor O'Hanlon. I just graduated from college. I want to run for office. What can I do? And the head's and like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Fr from that day, immediately, they were like, you know what? You can go do this. You can go canvas. You can go do this and whatever. Right? So I, I immediately started working for to elect Wendy Allman, who was the previous state representative in the 143rd. So I'm sure we might get into some of the, the redistricting and whatnot. But yep, yep. Doylestown used to be in the 143rd. We are moved into the 29th now. But at the time, she was running um, to become the state representative. So that was the first campaign that I was like actually going door to door in. And that's how I learned, okay, we can really make a difference just going to talk to people. Uh, and that helped elect, uh, elect um, Steve Sanicero to the state senate. Um, John Fetterman to be lieutenant governor and Tom Wolf to be governor for a second term. Uh, and I believe uh, same year as Josh Shapiro, maybe not. That was 2020. Um, it was 2020, yeah. So then right after that, um, that year, we had a you know great year in 2018. But as you are aware, and probably many of the listeners, <laughs> the odd year elections are the ones that are tougher. They're the ones that really... Uh, take grassroots organizing and the energy to get people out to vote. So in 2019, 
I decided to run for uh, township supervisor in Doylestown Township. And um, that position was a very uphill battle, let's just say. Mm -hmm. uh, in every election that I've ran, I've ran for election twice, so I'll just group them in here. I've ran for election twice uh, in, in Doylestown Township. Doylestown Township has never, ever in the history of Doylestown been controlled by a Democratic majority. In 2019, I lost by 38 votes. Point that didn't hurt or anything, right? Yeah, point, point 0.1%. Um, and then huge. when we get to that point, right, we came this close. I, I, I didn't know what to do after that. Frankly, um, the pandemic then hit very shortly after. Uh, I was working four jobs. This is, as we talk about uh, knowing what it's like to be middle class and working a working class, I was trying to find my way and figure things out and pay off my student loan debt that many people have, millions. Actually, we're about to hit $2 trillion in student loan debt. Um, so I was trying to figure that out while running for this position. And guess what? I lost all four of those jobs because of COVID. So I had wow. to take a step back and I had to say, what, what can I do? What can I, how can I move forward and make this thing happen? It just so happened that right after, uh, the pandemic kind of, you know, kicked off per se, uh, there was an opportunity for me to run, to become the chair of the Doyle Sound Democrats. And when I did that, it wasn't an uncontested race. I had to actually run to become the chair and I ended up winning D just in the, last uh, two years or so of being chair we've helped elect uh, over a dozen democrats we have raised thousands of dollars just in 2021 alone the doyle sound democrats under my leadership helped uh fund ten thousand dollars to local campaigns that includes uh tabitha delangelo running for school board uh borough council and township supervisors across doylestown um and then last the last piece of all this was 2021 our tax collector, he decided, you know, for family reasons, I have to step back in August. <laughs> so, so for those unaware, that is after the primary election. So right. that means you have a very, very short window of when you can actually replace somebody and get on the ballot. So being an accountant, because in the interim period, I, I got my license or I passed all the exams. I got my license. I got a, a steady job and working as an accountant and an auditor. Um, but I wasn't done there. So I said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll throw myself on the ballot and I will go for this. So despite that, I ended up rupturing my Achilles tendon playing basketball. <laughs> so I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk for seven weeks. Remember the pictures. And yet, because this is the dedication and drive we need to collectively not just me this is not just something that i i did because you know i wanted to win just for myself but it was a movement we needed to get people out to vote i went door to door in a wheelchair i had someone push me my friend lindsay pushed me in a wheelchair because we believe this is the way we got to get it done and that's the dedication and drive that you need to win in these um you know these races that we're not supposed to win in and i ended up losing I ended up losing by 86 votes, but between 2019 and 2021, I increased my voter um, my my vote total by over 400 votes. I outperformed 
the uh, the dem the uh, the Democratic uh, turnout on the county level, uh, we helped turn out 14 percent more Democrats in Doylestown than the county did as a whole. So obviously what we were doing was working and why I decided to this is a very long answer for you. But no, why I decided why I decided to run for state representative is my life is dedicated to public service. Um, you know, accounting is fun. And that's I actually have a little poster at my desk. that says auditing is fun. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> OK, I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> it's just to keep it's to keep the positive vibes up. So uh, but auditing is is my day job, but creating progressive change, creating um, a new uh, a new and brighter tomorrow is my life's work. That is my passion. And yes, I am young, but I have the experience. I have the dedication and I've proven that I have the leadership qualities to get the job done. And this this really represents an opportunity to develop the party for a long time. Well, let me just say this too about the, you know, you say, okay, yes, I'm young. Cause you know, you hear this kind of like people say, well, I've got this like experience and all this, but I'll tell you is that what happened. I remember back in, 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 uh, what was it now? I guess it was 20, well, yeah, 2018 when we had a, uh, really a kind of a progressive wave in, in good parts of Pennsylvania. Uh, and we, uh, this has got a, got back in the day for Raging Chicken. We had uh, Sean Kitchen, um, who was kind of my co-editor at the time. He interviewed Summerlee, Sarah Inamorato, and Elizabeth Fiedler, right? And everyone in those rooms, that this was at this kind of progressive conference that we were at in Harrisburg, everyone in those rooms was basically saying, they'll never win. They'll never win. And what they understood in a way that like kind of the old kind of, I, I don't want to, I, I don't mean to say old. I mean, but the way that things have been done. What those what those three women understood um, in ways that the the existing apparatus did, did not is that you have to build density and you have to build your organizing at your base. And that's what they did. And that's how they won. And so when I look at, you know, frankly, I look at someone like you, right, who came out through the Bernie Sanders campaign and was basically cut their teeth on grassroots organizing, small dollar donations um, and actually getting out and talking to people. Um, not some sort of, you know, I mean, like no kind of like, you know, no shade being thrown to spreadsheets here. right? But, but you're not just looking at a spreadsheet that's kind of put out by some consultant and say, just go find these people. But you're actually going out there in the community and you're building new voters and you're building the sense that we can win. So for me, that's an asset. Right. Especially given kind of coming up here and actually working in the community, building things, because I think that's really what's got to happen in Bucks County. And I'll be frank. I'll be frank about this. When I people that I've had on this show, right, people that have been involved in organizing um, around the school board elections and things like this. When I talk to them, a lot of these folks, when I talk to them off air, <laughs> right, what I hear about their biggest frustration, right, is the sense that we need to be like building organization. Right. And nobody wants to do that. Right. And they're feeling like they're building it from the ground up. So to have someone in your position who's actually done that work, right, has built out that organization and continues to advance. Like you see, you increase your vote total by by 400, you know, 400 votes. That's huge when you're talking local politics. So, you know, I, I mean, anybody who sees that and says like, oh, he's young, he get I mean, I don't they're not paying attention to what's needed to win right now in the Democratic Party, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's my editorializing on this one, but that's where kind of where I come at it. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I appreciate that. And I'll just say that 
um, when it comes to building up the apparatus of the party, you know, a lot of people, when they lose a race, I mean, I'm sure you're aware, when they lose a race, yep. they disappear. Right, exactly. That's not me. Um, you know, I, I, the adage uh, from, you know, dream on from Aerosmith, you got to know how to lose to know how to win, right? Mm -hmm. It's, I played sports my whole life. Uh, you lose all the time. Um, you got to get back up. You got to keep going. I mean, same thing Rocky said, right? But it's, uh, to me, being, um, being who I am, I've also, I also know that I'm inspiring other young people to do what I've already done. And you know what? They might actually be more successful down the line because of the path that I've been able to provide them. I, the hand, not that we always talk, I always say this thing, but it's not a hand out, it's a hand, hand up. up. It's a hand, it's a guiding hand to say, you know what? By the time you're my age, you could do a lot. You could do a lot. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I have the support of groups that would never, ever be engaged with other Democratic candidates. And that's, you know, we can, we can blame those groups or we can listen to them. We can say, hey, what can we do to get other young people involved? I, I, I kind of joke about this on occasion, too. I'm a little bit tired of asking, of, of answering the question, how do we get young people involved? We get young people involved by listening to them, there's, giving there's them thought. Yeah. And <laughs> and giving them something to fight for and something that is going to materially benefit them. I have support from uh, a nationwide group, Teens for Change, and I've gotten support in the local um, for the recommendation for endorsement by the Bucks County Young Democrats. Yeah, just last week, right? They got, yep. gave you your endorsement just last week. Yep. Yep. Well, and I think like this, like you mentioned this before, is like I don't think that, you know, there's been this tendency in, in again, we weren't planning going down this road, but this is just kind of, kind of his commentary. There's been a tendency in Democratic Party, and I understand this happens, and we're talking about a really significant change in the way that our, our nation's politics working, the county's politics and the things are working, and there's, you know, people who grew up even, you know, people like me, right? I'm a Gen Xer. Right. And I but I teach I teach at Kutztown University. Right. And so I see kind of folks coming up the gap between what my experience has been going through college and everything and the experience that they have gone through already just in terms of student loan debt about the cutting cutting off about the avenues for a prosperous future right the idea that like nobody really cares <laughs> right about really what their experience is that they're that this person yeah they're going to tell you one thing but they're, they're they'll sell you down the road the next minute uh, that's a huge gap i mean and we were the we were the kind of cynical ones right the gen x's ones like we're what we're the ones who are watching all the industry kind of close up and watching our futures being taken away right and packed away but kind of what folks that have come up with you, right, that experience is, is huge. And to understand that, and frankly, I think that's got to be the base of the Democratic Party. And this is like exactly, if we, you know, you look at what you're advocating for in your, like, you know, in your platform, into the issues that you're foregrounding, not only do they speak to the experiences of, you know, of lifelong Democrats, right, but they're looking towards that next generation about building an organization, building kind of on that and providing a kind of a sense of hope that we can build from. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's how I see when I look at the, you know, the PA New Deal and the rest of your platform. Yeah, and that's exactly why I call it that. It's the, the reason why I call it the Pennsylvania New Deal is because we are learning from the history of the Democratic Party, the New Deal, the Great Society, the greatest achievements in American domestic policy are democratic policies. We should be proud of that. Right. 
And we should also take that history where we may have fallen short, where we may have not made it intersectional. We may not have included everybody. We may not have looked towards the future for the environment and make those changes and say, you know, we're not going to get rid of Social Security. No. Why would we do that? No. We're going to build our infrastructure. We're going to build it in a sustainable and efficient way that will create good paying jobs with retirement benefits, which, whoa, retirement benefits. (laughs) That's like a shocker to hear probably for some people. We're, you're we're, talking about we, the stock market, right? <laughs> you're, you're, hope, you're, you're talking about the casinos? Is that what you're talking about, the retirement? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> uh, so so the, all those things are, are bread and butter, material benefits that we can provide mm-hmm. for people. And I, and I will just – last point on, on, on the age piece for me, but it, 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 it's very important to tie it together with the history of what I'm talking about with the PA New Deal. There's three historical leaders – that I'll talk about really fast. Alexander Hamilton was 21 years old on July 4th, 1776. 21 years old. And that dude's Joe, got a musical now, so come on. Yeah. <laughs> which, which Hamilton is, I, I've never seen the musical, but Alex, I do have a lot of Alexander Hamilton stuff on my bookshelf. But uh, the second one, President Joe Biden was 29 years old when he was elected to the Senate. 29 years old when he was elected to the Senate. Not even old enough yet to sit in the seat. And then the last one, I'll say, he's maybe not as historic as the others, but relevant to the Bucks County area. The last Democrat to flip Pennsylvania's first congressional district, Patrick Murphy, he was 30 when he was elected. Yep. So young people throughout history have shown that we can get things done. So we just have to let people go at it and <laughs> and get after these changes that we really want and not not only want, we need. No, and exactly. And I think that, look, I mean, when I look at the, the politics of right now and, again, at the at the risk of of not fully reading the audience. Right. I mean, meaning like, you know, kind of the voters in the kind of districts and things like this. But I, I do think that, you know, the tired old lines of even saying, well, you know, he's not experienced or that he's young. It really doesn't resonate. Right. I mean, it might just kind of get a couple of people's heads nodding, but it doesn't activate them and getting them motivated to want to do stuff. Right. They don't see themselves in that. All they hear is kind of like, you know, a, a tried, you know, an old argument about something about experience. Meanwhile, they're struggling to make ends meet. Right. They're wondering about how they're going to get their kids through college. Right. They're wondering if, you know, because of the pandemic, is their job going to come back? Are they going to be able to return to full time? Right. Is their only hope going to be like that future job in the Amazon warehouse? <laughs> right. You know, is that all we can do? Right. And I'm sorry, just saying like, you know, OK, you know, someone who's kind of built organizations has been active in kind of building things and successful. That sounds to be like a better story to me. <laughs> if you ask me. But let me so let me ask you this. So you're talking about this. this you know, you're talking about building a stronger economy. You're talking about um, kind of reinvesting in our infrastructure. Right. And you're I mean, a whole bunch of stuff about this PM deal. What, what does that look like when people are when you're talking to people who say, OK, you want to build a stronger economy where you want to kind of invest in the infrastructure. And, you know, people are people could be cynical when it comes to politicians kind of promising stuff. So what, what does that look like in kind of in your mind? How do you talk to voters about um, what that means? Sure. Uh, there's actually two, there's two different ways that we can go about this, right? Because the, let's take the optimistic side. 
the optimistic side is the Democrats come in 2022. We come out like crazy. We get so many people in Pennsylvania elected that we flip the legislature. Now, that's an uphill battle. It starts here in Pennsylvania's 29th. And 100%. That, we, we, we can lead the way here, right? But let's just say we do that. That's one way we can say, you know what? All right, now we can finally raise the minimum wage from a starvation wage of $7.25 to at least $15 an hour and tie that to inflation. We can at least say you have a right to be in a union if you are a worker in this country. You can at least provide health care, at least a public option at a bare minimum across the state. We can do that. We can do things uh, for the infrastructure by providing uh, highway systems that have charging stations. What a radical idea. How about that? We can invest in local municipalities, which this one I think you can do even if the we take the cynical route. But you can you can invest in local municipalities. Let's just say like Doylestown, Chalfont, New Hope, uh, Solbury. You can say, here's the millions of dollars that we were supposed to give you through the Biden infrastructure plan. And you can put those solar panels on your new buildings. You can build geothermal um, farming mechanisms to heat, to to uh, operate your uh, energy systems within the municipalities. You can create open space. So that's all that's all within the infrastructure and um, uh, economy piece. But the last piece, the last pillar of my platform too that I haven't really hit on is the human rights piece. Yeah. I did kind of talk about it in the introduction with the solidarity piece, but. In Pennsylvania, I'm sure many listeners know, but in Pennsylvania, you could be discriminated against for being gay or transgender in for in your employment or in housing. Uh, that is absolutely atrocious and despicable. And that is something that if we get uh, enough people elected, we can pass that. We can pass protections for civil rights and add it to protected classes. And we can protect voting rights. All of these things. And, and we can create racial justice in this country, leading the way in Pennsylvania rather than having to react. How about that? So that's, that's the positive, right? The negative here comes is... comes a dark cloud. So here's, so here, here's, here's my thing. shirt, right? This is my doom and gloom shirt, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the gloom, yeah. So let's just say, you know what? Connor, Connor gets elected, but we don't flip the legislature. What can we do then? Well, I already hinted on like some of the some of the stuff can be done in a bipartisan fashion. Now, they, it de does become incumbent upon a leader coming back home to say, "Hey, Doylestown Township, I know you're not Democrats, controlled by Democrats, but I think you should invest in solar energy because it's it's beneficial to the longevity of this township um, and putting pressure on those leaders because they are getting money from the state." Yes. It also takes leaders to come back and say, hey, I'll just use Doylestown because it's easy. Um, it's easy in my bailiwick, right? But mm -hmm. there's, this happens across the, the Commonwealth. Doylestown Township doesn't have a protection for gay individuals or transgender individuals. That takes leadership to say, hey, you have to pass something locally and build it back up. But it's taking someone that's going to get people... I mean, I've organized rallies and got people in the streets. Like, sometimes it takes that. And sometimes it takes people to flood 
a uh, a local municipal um, meeting, not being violent, not being you know jerks, to show but up, but exercising your First Amendment right to you know it, lobbying is a bad word in this country, but to lobby your local officials because that's what you're supposed to do. But so that's the the pieces of just getting one person elected should be one way of saying, all right, we may not pass this one legislative uh, agenda item, but we can put pressure locally and build the party. That's the other piece. Build the party and show other um, younger um, candidates you can do it and you can get it done a lot sooner than everyone else will tell you. Well, and I think that's right. You know, I, I'm thinking a lot about, uh, you know, the way that Summer Lee has approached her her time in office right in the state and very much talking about what she sees herself as primarily as as an organizer, both inside the halls of Harrisburg and outside. Right. And she's always insisted upon bringing the kind of organizer into the Capitol Dome and not basically saying that remains outside and doing exactly what you're saying, because once you're mobilized, once you've mobilized people and get folks that are, are part of an organization, not only can you say, for example, turn back and to say, hey, you guys need to pass this locally, but you can become a force to help garner that right to set up the context for that to happen right as part of the work that you do in the district and i think that's that organizer mentality that we absolutely need at this point so yeah i, I mean 100 i mean you know i'm on board without without a doubt so l let me ask you this because i know this is let's let's kind of talk some specifics here what this would look like and what you could potentially say bring you know let's talk bucks county for a minute right um one of the things i like i, I wanna actually want to comment on this first before we move to this next point but what you said there about, hey, look, um, we could, I think you should invest in solar. I mean, watching some of these environmental reports come out, finding out that Bucks, Bucks County has some of the worst air quality, right, um, kind of in the state, which kind of floors me, right? You're thinking about, wait a minute, Bucks County, <laughs> right? Um, but it does, right? It's not this kind of major city. It's not Pittsburgh, right, where you have the kind of, um, you know, the steel industry and the legacy of the steel industry there, but because of the air quality here and things like, you know, solar panels can help mitigate some of that stuff while providing real concrete jobs, right? So just as a point on that. So let's talk about, you know, what's been dominating a lot of, uh, you know, kind of news coverage and controversy and stuff like this in um, Bucks County, which has been what's happening in our school boards, right? Um, now I know like Central Bucks, for example, has been, um, you know, in the national news um, for the controversies going on there. You've, you, you're a graduate, right? Coming out of Central Bucks, Central Bucks West, you said, right? Yep. Yeah, coming out of Central Bucks West. And I've heard stories of so many people who have come out of that district and say, God, I had got such an amazing education. I got felt so supported coming out of there. I felt I was kind of like prepared like for the world, right? And now to see what's happening there, kind of being a little bit kind of flabbergasted at what's happening. This is happening in my school district. We see this in Pensbury. We see this kind of, uh, we see this up in um, Palisades. So what's your take on some of this stuff and what does kind of mean electing someone like you like in the pa 29th um what does that bring to those folks who are trying to organize on the ground um to bring some sanity back to what's happening under our school boards well first i'll take it from the the perspective of a the organizer the myself right yeah in 2021 we helped get elect in doylestown tabitha delangelo to the school board in central bucks so um, you talk about me being an uh, alumni of, of Central Bucks. You know, when I was there in high school, not 
that long ago. It, it is a long time ago, but not that long ago. Um, <laughs> all we read, in perspective, uh, man. <laughs> we 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 read uh, the book King Leopold's Ghost, mm-hmm. and for anyone familiar, that's not the most. Um, I don't know. It's a radical book. I mean, it's a, it's in in a radical in the in a good sense. It it, it makes you question your understanding of history and right. and what's gone on and and why we only learn about uh, an American perspective or a European perspective rather than a, an African perspective or an Asian perspective or all of them mixed together. Um, that wouldn't. I don't know that some of that would fly today. You know, I don't know that we would be able to teach and learn some of these things. And frankly. Uh, when I was in co- in high school and then I went to college and I kind of learned, hey, macroeconomics kind of lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> exactly. I, I was like, supply chain economic, supply side economics, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, um, and here's like those- the mountain of research demonstrating that fact, right? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Exactly. So there's that there's that whole piece where it's like. The education system is always a work in progress. It's always going to need improvement. And it's electing people like like um, Dr. Delangelo to the school board that knows what they're talking about, that genu- genuinely teaches other teachers um, how to improve in uh, in the classroom. So that's one piece, just getting people elected. And I'll, I will say again, my election this year is very important, but also in 2023 – in just in Doylestown alone, we have two school board seats up. So across the, the Commonwealth, you're going to have probably hundreds of, of school board elections just next year. But um, when it comes when it comes to education, uh, we really need to see increased uh, funding towards education. Like just pe- people always want to talk about the fair funding um, formula. I support that. But I also think that the whole pie needs to be bigger. For education, we 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 limit ourselves and say, well, if you're going to increase spending here, we need to cut it from this other school. Rather than saying, no, the whole pie needs to get much much bigger. Education is the way that we can develop the future leaders of this country. Now, again, I had the benefit of coming through Central Bucks. Right. I am fighting to protect that school district because that school district, as you said, is on the verge of you know maybe not collapse but of calamity the 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 disorder this a disorder and across like you were talking about and hinting it with Penridge, getting rid of diversity equity and inclusion programs is despicable it is despicable especially in a time like now where we genuinely need to teach that stuff and get get those ideas out because we're coming out of some of the most charged I'll say racially and and yep. you know whether it be uh, anti-Semitism. I mean, it, the the list just goes on and on and on. And it's it's just I wish there was like a, a silver bullet, but it's just going to take the time, the effort, the dedication of organizing and consistently showing up. Well, and this is what exactly what I keep on hearing from organizers around these uh, the school board elections is needing to build something that's sustainable and ongoing. It's not a one and done election ever at this point. And I think that that's the mindset we have to be in is that, you know, we need to elect people right in our districts and get behind them and help organize folks who have that kind of mindset that you're we're going to be building for the long haul. 
right? We're going to, we, the election is not the end. The election is the beginning, right? Of the next phase of this campaign, right? And the campaigning is like incessant. Um, and, and I think that's absolutely essential. I think what you said is this is going to be an ongoing struggle coming forward. And, you know, I look at the fact that we see this war breaking out in Ukraine, right? And watching how important history is, how important it is to understand what are some of the root causes of fascism, right? Not, I mean, and not to say like, again, the easy move is when people just say, oh, it's like, like Hitler or like, the, like, we don't even need to go in that way. Let's talk about authoritarianism and fascism and the kind of the struggle that I think that we're in, in both in a micro and macro level right now, um, whether we're going to move in the, the direction of autocracy, right, and authoritarianism, or we're going to move and kind of deepen our democracy. And it has everything to be able to do that to, for, for students graduating from our schools these days to have the tools to be able to do that. They have to be able to grapple with things like King's Leopold Ghost, right? And ask those questions and have those conversations. And in my mind, that's always what education was supposed to be. Um, and I find it deeply troubling. So, you know, when you're talking about organizing, right, when you're talking about organizing and kind of increasing capacity, right, reaching out and listening to people, that seems to be a recipe for what really we need, not only for the PA 29th, but across the Commonwealth and, you know, again, more broadly in our country. Absolutely. And um, I'll just I'll throw this statistic out there. Maybe people have heard it. But after the historic election of Barack Obama to be president in 2008, the Democratic Party ended up losing over a thousand local and state yes. seats. Now, is that Barack Obama's fault? Absolutely not. But it falls on people like us, the people that are engaged, that want change and know, hey, you know what, my neighbor, he might consider himself an independent or she might consider herself a Republican, but they actually agree with what we have to say. You know, they actually don't hold certain views that might not, uh, might not jive with what they perceive the Democratic Party to be. And for me, my job and my goal has always been redefining what it means to be a Democrat. And that is how you get people to join the party, to get engaged and go out and, and do things. Because I'll say, you know, probably since the late 70s, early 80s, we've seen a slide um, away from giving middle and working class people material 100%. benefits and material goods. Yes. Right. We have, we have backed away from, from standing up for our principles, even though, and I will emphasize this heavily, our principles and values and our policies are popular. The New Deal is the greatest example of it in history of the United States. And we continuously run away from, you know what, we should expand Social Security. We should expand Medicaid and Medicare to include more people. We should build upon our history and learn from that and say, okay, now we're including more people. Now they see what happens when they organize. Now they know we are the greatest country in the world. And that's why we should demand better for our people and demand better for the world. Because if we can lead the way, then we can show other people how to do it. Yeah, it comes right down to me. It's like, you know, it's it's that gap between people saying we are the wealthiest country in the world. And with it, with the next sentence saying, therefore, you can't have nice things <laughs> you know? and like it makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's if you just look at it as this, 
if if we didn't have uh if we had a if we lived in a red state when the ACA passed completely right like we had no chance and they didn't expand Medicaid, how many millions of people wouldn't have health care? I mean, still to this day, there are states in this country that haven't expanded Medicaid. That is, it is free for the state. It is funded by the federal government. And because of the hatred and, frankly, bigotry towards the yep. president, Barack Obama, that passed that bill, they are letting people die. They are choosing to let people die. Now, if we don't have a majority, again, we can't pass everything that we want, but there's always something. There's always a ground to fight on. There's always something to push the boundary and say, you know what, Republicans, I know you you think you don't support this but let's 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 come and figure something out here and say look maybe maybe i support a public option you support something i don't know somewhere over there <laughs> but we can at least let's just say in theory like we were in in 2011 let's just say this is a time that you should expand medicaid because you are ha- actively helping thousands of people get health care access um, and y- we never know. Like right now, the Republicans are holding up that infrastructure spending, right. like I said. So you are actively choosing to have people uh, get sick from their water, get s- potentially sick from their air, as you were talking about, uh, and and die. These are things that are material. They can be actively felt by the population of our state, and the leaders are choosing which things to do and which, frankly, mostly which things not to do. And when you talk about authoritarianism, the GOP in this state is remarkable, sliding and sliding rapidly towards that authoritarianism to try and throw out democratically elected leaders, whether it be uh, Governor Wolf or whether it be President Joe Biden or whatever comes up in the next couple of years, they are looking to actively limit people's the most sacred right in this country, the right to vote, because they don't want, and frankly, they are afraid of the will of the people. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, when we founded, uh, we started Raging Chicken was back in uh, twenty eleven, right after the um, you know after the the midterms in which the Tea Party took over, and then we saw the uh, Wisconsin uprising, uh, kind of in response to the austerity measures that were brought in um, after you know following on that wave, and we saw it coming. We saw it coming to Pennsylvania, and we're like, you know, you'd talk to people that were. Uh, normal political folks right within Pennsylvania and they were like ah that's Wisconsin that's not going to happen here we're like it's coming and then we saw the Alex exposed stuff which we saw that no there's a playbook right and we have to understand that we are in this kind of they're in this fight and in Pennsylvania there's been a little bit of a slow roll on that so we haven't seen the explosiveness that we saw that in uh like say you know in Ohio or in Wisconsin um, but it's come nonetheless, and we're seeing we're at the other end of that now, where you find that, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Pennsylvania has got one of the largest, next to Florida, largest number of people that were there at the January 6th uprising. We've got um, kind of a number of people from Pennsylvania, including some state um, state legislators who are now going to be indicted, like Doug Mastriano is going to have to go down for the January 6th commission because of involvement in that. We see what's happening in the kind of like, you know, they want to get rid of Daryl Metcalf, right, from some of this from the craziness he's what do they do they put him on the environmental committee where we can stop what's happening in environmental justice i mean 
this is the direction it, you know that that things have gone and um it doesn't look like it's getting any better and i think that you know I don't know. I'm hoping at least that people are at the point where they're starting to see that the Republican Party is increasingly becoming a problem. Right um, now, for people like me, right, Republican Party has always been a problem. <laughs> right. But there's a difference between having people that you disagree with. Right. And that you're willing to fight over policies and ideas and people that are really kind of in a separate world, which is about maintaining power. Right. And increasing divisiveness in order to maintain that power. And that's I, in my mind, that's really where we're at at this point in the state. So. Absolutely. And um, frankly, I think it was Noam Chomsky that said that the Republican Party is the greatest threat to humanity yes. on Earth. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's a bold statement. Um, that is a bold statement. And it, you're right. It's not like we're talking about Dwight Eisenhower Republicans. We're not talking about the radical Republicans of the 1860s. We're, we're talking about a party that is actively um, trying to suppress people's rights. They are throwing out the Pennsylvania Constitution left and right. Like, let's, let's just address that issue, too, because every year people are showing up to the ballot and the, they always put it on the primary ballot. <laughs> of course. And, yeah, because there's less people to vote. And they actively phrase things so that people vote in the affirmative. So when they want to say this year, get rid of a woman's right to choose, they're going to put a amendment that says blah, 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 blah. Ensure women's safety and medical care. Right. Like, there you go. Right. I can write, I can write their titles for them because they've been doing it for so long. Exactly. And, and, the way that they do it then, it passes by a constitutional amendment. So they don't even have to they so it skirts the checks and balances that our government is supposed to have because they don't care about democracy, they don't care about the history of this nation, and they don't care about the constitution, right. whether it be the the Pennsylvania Constitution or the United States Constitution. 100%. Well, listen, I, you know, I, I've got a feeling that uh, this will not be the last time I speak with you. <laughs> um, and uh, which kind of brings me to this. I mean, I think that, you know, listeners to this program um, are, I think, have been in part brought to this program in part because of looking for uh, kind of opportunities to kind of build kind of progressive movements within Bucks County and kind of beyond um, have been active in organizing and working in the district and are looking to support candidates that are going to kind of carry forward that kind of organizing model. So people are listening to this and they're saying, okay, all right, you're, you're official, you're in, right? You were the first to announce, right? Um, how can people get involved with your campaign? Where can they go? Do you have any kind of events that are upcoming? Um, what, what can you tell folks about how to get involved? So as of today, there is uh, a bit of up in the air when it comes to petition signings, but that yeah. is going to be the, the biggest first thing that you can help, whether it's me or like, let's just say you're in another county or whatever. Getting people on the ballot, that take that's a that is a tremendous grassroots effort. But I need two hundred and fifty signatures. If you can help me get that, that would be amazing. Let, let um, me stop you right there because we we did get a chance to touch on that before I before I let you give the full plug, right? For, sure. So the the district, right? So this is it seems like we have relatively stable maps at this point, except there are still court challenges. There's time for court challenges and we can't you can't gather petitions quite yet is that correct yeah only statewide and congress can 
so how has this impacted your race in terms of like the shifting district lines from you mentioned this earlier earlier in our discussion be 143 to the 29th what does that mean in terms of for um where you're going to be organizing if assuming those lines hold so quickly i will say it's chalfont new britain borough doylestown borough doylestown township buckingham township new hope and solbury that's the entire district right there um that's just a nice little strip of basically yep. of the central bucks area it goes a little bit you know north and um it's a it is a it should be a democratic district if we get somebody that is willing to put in the time the effort and go and talk to the voters and uh you know I obviously think that that is me. <laughs> 100%. So where can they go? Um, well, they can involve you. You need petition signers. I assume that you're going to need people to kind of man the phones. I assume that you're going to be need door knockers. I assume you're going to need people just to kind of help out and getting the word out, working social media and uh, um, in kind of all aspects of your campaign. Absolutely. So like I said, this is a grassroots campaign. So if you see something that's tweeted, it's probably just me doing it. And uh, <laughs> it's good to get because, you know, look, I'm not a millionaire. I'm a working class person like the majority of people in this district. I'm a working class person like the majority of people across the Commonwealth. And it takes a lot of grassroots effort. And it takes a lot of, you know what, I'm going to do this myself and I'm going to get this done together. So when I when it, when you want to come and help, you can sign up on my website. It's ConnorOhanlon.com. You can just say you want to volunteer. I'll reach out to you or somebody on my team will reach out to you and we'll get organized. So the first thing will be petitions. Uh, the second thing will be, depending on how things shape up with the endorsements and whatnot, will be um, just regular canvassing, door-to-door canvassing. We'll have phone banks. We will have events coming up. Um, I'm sure once we have, that, the, the problem is that once we have the, uh, until we have the petitioning period, we won't have uh, events set up yet. Yep, yep. Um, I will also plug, the 29th State Assembly District has a debate forum this Thursday on March 3rd. So if you would like to hear that, it's going to be on YouTube. Uh, you can, you, It'll be live streamed. So you can hear me in comparison to the other um, people running. And the who's, last who's thing. Who's putting that on? The 29th State Assembly District. So oh, I'll, I'll, oh, that's a, great. I'll get you the link for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> and I'll put that in the show notes for people that have easy access to it. That'd be great. And the last thing would be. Uh, going over to ConnorOhanlon.com, and if you can afford it, contributing. Uh, you know, if it's five dollars, you can make that a monthly contribution of five dollars. If that if that cup of coffee instead you wanna you wanna help a progressive candidate get elected, that goes a long way. And you know, if you can you can afford to give twenty five or twenty nine dollars to help flip twenty state uh, the state assembly district twenty nine, that is how we get things done. Because I might not have the deep the deep pockets that other candidates might have. I might not have uh, millionaire friends that are just looking to have a little pet project, but this is the work that needs to get done. This is the grassroots organizing that we need to do it. And look, I'm getting closer and closer every day to a hundred individual contributors and it's only been about two months. So that's, we got to We got to juice that up, but that's how we get it done. So if you can afford it, Connor 
100%. Well, hey, uh, Connor, I appreciate the time. I know this is a busy, busy time of year for you uh, with the uh, tax season well thing. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And, man, I wish you all the best in this campaign. Um, we're going to be kind of getting the word out as best that we can over here. Want to make sure that, you know, um, you know, think about like this, too, as well. Connor says he might not have those, like, deep pockets we're going to shout out. But, frankly, if we're going to build a movement, if we're going to build a progressive organization and support a candidate, that's not where the money should be coming from to begin with right uh, we should all be kind of chipping in and support it from the from the base up so um connor listen i wish you all the best and, and man I'll, I'll certainly be following the campaign we'll be talking more um kind of down the line um i appreciate it go on and uh please check out connor's website um you can check him out at connorohanlon.com www.connorohanlon.com did i get that right yep Yep, there you go. I'll make sure you follow him on Twitter. Um, that information is all going to be in tonight's show notes. Um, Connor, thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, man, we look forward to a great kind of a great few months ahead of us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Hey, you got it. Hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in tonight. I appreciate it. Listen, one little thing that you can do right now, right? You want to help out, right? You get this show. Share it with your friends. Get that out there on social media. Right? Spread the word so we can elect some progressive right here in Bucks County. Talk to you soon. See ya.